the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather in virtual worship this February Sunday. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. The liturgy, music, and sermon are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation today and later around the globe. The service includes the sermon offered by the Reverend Dr. Victoria Gaskell, recorded this week, along with music and liturgy from earlier services. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your attention to the possibilities for ministry and pastoral support available on our website, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, when again it is permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
pray. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pause now to lift our hearts, mindful of our need for compunction and contrition, for lament and here for confession, as our choir sings with us the traditional Kyrie, Lord have mercy upon us. Let us pray. have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Beloved, hear the gospel. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. 
I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
lesson from the first epistle of St. Peter, chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water, and baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 25 with the antiphon. Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For your goodness sake, O oh Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Now there's a thought for the first Sunday in Lent. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. In the Greek, the verb for drove him out is the same verb that Mark uses near the end of the Gospel to describe Jesus driving out those who were selling and buying in the Jerusalem temple. This is not the only juxtaposition of unexpected contrasts and disquieting imagery in Mark's description of the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. The first line of Mark describes his gospel as the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The text goes on to describe John the baptizer's ministry, a ministry of baptism for the forgiveness of sins and of predictions of one who will come after him who is more powerful and worthy, one who will baptize the people with the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes his first appearance in the gospel as himself just emerging from John's water baptism. But unlike the description of this scene in Matthew and Luke, where the heavens merely open. In Mark, the heavens are torn apart. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, and a voice from heaven validates him as son, as beloved, with whom God is well pleased. Then, immediately after this awe-inspiring scene, the Spirit is not a gentle dove a spirit who leads Jesus into the wilderness, as in Matthew and Luke. In Mark, the spirit becomes the spirit who drives Jesus out into the wilderness. And this is not the wilderness of the hiker's guides. It is not a place of beauty and peace, where one can reconnect and rejuvenate with nature. In Jesus' time, the wilderness was a place of desolation, isolation, and danger. 
It was full of wild animals and predators who were human. Jesus spends 40 days in such a place with only the wild animals and Satan for company. Although there were angels too who waited on him. Finally, the next thing we know is that Jesus is somehow out of the wilderness and beginning his public ministry in Galilee. He proclaims the good news of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And yet this proclamation of good news comes with the background of the arrest of John the baptizer that would lead to John's beheading by Rome's puppet king, Herod. Mark has been called the gospel of conflict, conflicts between Jesus and political and religious authorities and with his hometown, his family, and his disciples. The mixed energies that surround Jesus throughout his ministry begin with him as he is driven out into the wilderness, driven out into confrontation with that which opposes God, driven out to decide who who he will be as a beloved child in a place of hardship and peril for both body and soul. We can relate. We, too, have been driven out of our normal lives into a wilderness for the last year, a place of danger and isolation, even desolation. We, too, have faced deadly peril to both body and soul, caught up in a pandemic which for a terrifying while we did not understand and could not control, and which even now challenges our best science and public health structures at every turn. The indications of climate change and the wildfires burning and the storms battering throughout the country have been mirrored in the fires of anger and frustration about our lack of leadership and preparation and in the battering of seemingly endless revelations of violent injustice against marginalized populations and against our national life. Our rising rates of clinical depression and anxiety reflect the loss of loved ones, from the greater loss of actual death to the lesser but still deeply painful loss of physical presence and touch, which we can observe but not feel. These rates of distress also reflect the loss of beloved and nourishing activities, rituals, and routines, eating together, baptisms, funerals, singing in harmony, hugs. Predators who wild animals put to shame have been our company, as has that which opposes God. We have all in our own ways faced many temptations toward despair, cynicism, numbing out, and giving up. And yet, Angels have waited on us also, certainly for us to see them and recognize them for who they are, and who have kept us fed and connected, have worked to find protection and vaccines, have cared for us in birth, sickness, and death, and have created beauty, humor, 
and new ways to be together and to encourage one another. Now we have come through almost a full year. After last year's Lent, in which we began our sojourn in our wilderness. Now we have come to Lent 2021, not sure that we are out of the wilderness yet, or what time has been fulfilled, or how we are to repent, turn around, change, or what the good news of God is for us now. Traditionally, Lent has been a time of preparation for new followers of Jesus to receive baptism. Baptism is a sign of right relationship with God and of membership in God's kingdom through the church. For all followers of Jesus, it is a season in the church year of particular reflection. After the joy of the incarnation through the birth of Jesus at Christmas, after the revelations of who God is and who God is not in the revelations of Epiphany, Lent focuses on the life, ministry, and teaching of Jesus in preparation for the Holy Week of his passion and death and his resurrection at Easter. In Lent, we join with our companions in Christ to reflect on Jesus as our example for the life of faith in all its aspects of ministry, challenges, and suffering. In this 2021 season of Lent, we have a particular opportunity as individuals and as a community to reflect on our experiences as people of faith over the last year. We have an opportunity to reflect on our experience through the lens of Jesus' life and ministry as they led to the church's first and most radical proclamation and preaching that resurrection is possible with God through Jesus Christ, resurrection even after extremities of conflict, betrayal, suffering, death, and burial. After the complexities and complicities of the last year, we ought not to expect our reflection to be quick or to yield quick solutions in the aftermath of such upheaval. Lent in its 40 days does give us a good amount of time to get started. And in this year, it may be particularly fitting that we begin, as Mark does, with Jesus as he begins his public ministry. There are four points to consider in the swirl of energies and images that surround Jesus in our scripture this morning. The first is the depiction of the Holy Spirit. The heavens are torn apart to make way for it. It lands on Jesus in acknowledgement, in the form of a dove, a symbol of freedom. And it is the spirit who drives him out into the wilderness to encounter its physical and spiritual perils. In other words, to get Jesus started on his ministry, the spirit encourages him in his identity and his worthiness for his ministry. And the Spirit also gives Jesus unmistakable impetus to face the temptations inherent in his identity as beloved child and in his mission. Unmistakable impetus to decide who he will be and how he will act. The Holy Spirit is actively engaged with Jesus from the beginning as both empowering witness to who he is, an intentional and even fierce coach 
who challenges him to decide who he will be and what he will do in the face of adversity and temptation. A second point is that in Mark's account, there is no description of the temptations presented to Jesus by Satan. Matthew and Luke are very specific and oddly large and general as to Satan's blandishments. Personal power to be used for personal convenience or relief at the expense of the dignity of the rest of creation. The trading on one's power and identity for self-promotion. The choosing allegiance to that which opposes God in exchange for earthly power and wealth. But in Mark's gospel, Jesus' temptations, physical and spiritual, inner and outer, remain private. They are unique to him. The third point is that whatever the temptations and perils were, Jesus comes out of the wilderness with the call and confidence to begin a public ministry of proclamation and with a clear articulation of that proclamation. God's good news is this. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, turn around, change, and believe in the good news. His confidence and call are such that he persists in his proclamation, even in the face of John's arrest, the arrest of the person who baptized him into a gospel of change and forgiveness, an arrest that brings Jesus to Herod's notice. The fourth and final point is that in all this, in and out of the wilderness, Jesus is never truly isolated, never really alone. Whether it is the Spirit with its encouragement and challenges, through the angels who wait on him in the wilderness, or his vision of the good news of the kingdom as near, God is always present with him. God's presence and power continue to work in and through Jesus, through the wilderness and through all his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. As we begin this season of Lent 2021, these points can help us begin our reflections on our experiences of last year, and as we consider where God may be leading us in terms of what comes next. As we reflect and consider, it is important to be honest with ourselves and also to be gentle with ourselves. Lent is not a time for self-flagellation or suffering for suffering's sake or the manufacture of guilt over the trivial. It is a time for grace, for our reflections and considerations with God and each other to become information that both God and we can use to consider and then act toward our further growth in the life of faith, toward an increase in our love for God, self, and neighbor, toward change to support the kingdom of God and God's work of love and justice in the world. So how has and how does the Holy Spirit confirm and challenge us in who we are, what we do, and who we are becoming. Who or what else has encouraged us, confirmed our identity as beloved and worthy, 
even as we were driven out into entirely new circumstances and the need for new priorities. Who or what has sustained us in the many losses and outrages of this time? What have been our particular challenges to who we are and what we will do in the face of the many adversities and frustrations of the last year? Who or what have we conferred encouraged, confirmed, and sustained. Who are we now? What have we done in the face of adversity and frustration? And what might we be and do in the future? What have been our personal temptations during the last year, inner and outer, unique to us? Not just the big ones, whatever those have been, but the little everyday temptations, too, that are so easy to yield to, especially when we are tired, discouraged, grieving, or frightened. That so often, these little everyday temptations are so often the ones that can wear away our bodies and spirits down to the nub without our realizing it. In what circumstances do we feel most tempted to go against what we know to be true or right for us? How might we or our behavior have enabled yielding to inner or outer temptation for others? And when have we helped to make temptation easier to withstand for ourselves and others? As we gain information and learn from our reflections as individuals and in community, do we notice patterns of thought or behavior? Is there anything in what we have learned that calls us with God's encouragement, calls us to do, to say, to change, or to begin? How might we encourage ourselves and each other to answer these callings? On this first beginning Sunday of Lent, as we consider the beginnings of Jesus' public ministry and Mark's depiction of it, let us also rest in God's presence and power with us as it was with Jesus, that we may begin to move with what we have learned out of our personal and collective wildernesses, begin to realize how we are to repent and change, begin to see and hear what the good news of God is for us now, and begin to recognize the time that has been fulfilled toward a turnaround of good news and good hope and resurrection. Amen.
now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Creator of the universe, in heart and in word, in our being and in our acting, we come to you in the midst of the darkness pervasive around us. We come to you facing the darkness of division, hatred, and exclusion. We come to you facing the darkness within the reality that the places that often give us hope disappoint. We come to you facing the fact that history repeats itself and we are painfully reminded that good intentions can still pave dangerous roads. God above God, as the darkness annihilates your presence in our midst, may we continue on in courage, for it is in our continuing of being and acting, in heart and in word, where we may again find you. In our actions and in our words, may we be the gospel. In the darkness of division, hatred, and exclusion, May we refuse the temptation to ignore nuance and push away those of whom we deem the other. May we instead, like the new being Christ, choose love over the easy path of hostility. In the darkness of disappointment, disappointment of systems, communities, and leaders, may we refuse the temptation to ignore the reality of our brokenness. May we work constructively together rather than reduce our disappointment in the bitterness and division. In the darkness we see when history repeats itself, when churches choose to exclude and diminish the dignity of those marginalized, when those in power refuse to consider the experiences of those oppressed, may we do the hard work of reconciliation. May we be a space of light in the midst of darkness. May we, in our being and acting, in our hearts and in our words, live out the gospel. In this darkness where we cease to see you, may we see you through each other, and may your presence be felt through our hospitality and love for those we often miss. May our prayer imbue our lives with divinity and raise the divinity within the humanity, like the one who, in the darkness of the cross, courageously brought divine hope through acting and being. And it is in this one's name, Christ, that we pray. Amen. And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
who fills the earth with life and hope. Guide us to use these gifts to be vessels of your love to others, so that others may feel your meaningful warmth. Through Jesus Christ, the one who took on insignificance to bring on significance. Amen.
O Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen, the evening comes, the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, a happy lodging, and peace at the last through Christ our Lord.